This is episode 118 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. This episode goes back to Winter Youth 2006. This is session one. All right, everybody's here, hopefully. I heard there are still a couple groups that may not have arrived just yet. So I'm going to be thinking about those guys. My name's Luke, and this is the old guy segment. It's a lot of young people, a lot of young guys. When we come across this stage, it's probably the only time you'll see an old guy. So um, for those that are out there and away from your families uh, the, these four days, I can be your dad. How's that? I promise I won't hang out with you. I'll have my own room. Okay, but if you need a dad or a dad hug or something, you can come see me. How's that? You're going, that is really sick. That guy should just quit talking. Actually, I want to welcome you. I'm grateful that you're here, grateful that you're, even though I can't see half of you, or just I can just see the front row. Pretty much it, but I know you're out there. Uh, some of you have traveled a long distance. Anybody here from California? Wow. How about from Idaho? Sweet. Idaho didn't make it. How about from Washington? How about from Alaska? Yeah, Alaska. It's like 30 below up there where those guys are from. It's wild. They all come down here and go swimming almost immediately because they think we're summertime. Uh, how about from Oregon? Nice. Glad everybody's here. I know this hasn't happened just yet, but let me do this. I'd like to pray for our four days together. Would you let me do that? All right, let's bow. Father, we are grateful. I'm grateful. I can remember um, being a youth pastor, bringing students here, being involved in this four days, and grateful that you'd still let me hang out and be a part of it now. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all the people that make it happen, that kind of are behind the scenes. I'm grateful for youth pastors and youth workers who get everything organized and make sure that the registration and the vans and all that stuff's in order to get to something like this. And I'm most thankful for students. I know, God, that you can work miracles, and I'm praying for a miracle in these four days. I realize that there's uh, 1,100 people here, and that's an opportunity for a miracle in each heart. We're praying for your spirit to be a part of this event. And whether we're impacted with what somebody has to say, music that we've heard, or time of just quiet contemplation, God, it really doesn't matter. Our desire is that you would show up here and that you would produce miracles in the lives of the people that are here. God, I'm even praying one for my own life, that I would be able to see you differently. Thanks for the safety and travel. Thanks for all the, uh, all the hard work that went into getting everybody here and getting all the artists and worship leaders and speakers. And may your spirit fill them this week as well. And we'll give all of the praise to you for it is for Jesus' sake that we pray. Amen. Hey, listen. Uh, this... We have this novel, kind of new theme for this year called the gospel. Did you hear about it? It's kind of a hip new word that you guys have heard at least a million times, right? The gospel. Somebody might ask and say, well, why would you pick something like that? And our desire really is to say that that's the best word for describing all that is that it means to follow Jesus Christ. And so you know, if you've been around here for a couple of years, that we've challenged you a, a couple different ways and said, we don't really believe that you're the church of the future. We've, we've never really believed that. We believed you're the church right now. And that the gospel transforms the lives of all people, doesn't matter what age. And you enter into this following of Christ, the moment that you can understand that Jesus loves you and has saved you. And so this four days, we've chosen to title The Gospel. And we're putting it into kind of a, a contrast, if you will, between light and dark. But I want to read something to you because 
It hasn't always been this way, this contrast of light and dark. Um, from the book of John, right in the first chapter, here's what it has to say. In the beginning, the word already existed. He was with God, and he was God. And he was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. And the truth is that he made you and I. That in God's economy, the way God does things, he has said about human beings, I will make them in my image. And so that's what he's done. Now, in the beginning, if I were to take you back to Genesis, you could see, we all could see that God started out with this idea that his creation would reflect his glory and everything would just kind of be in perfection. And then something dark and sinister happens. Uh, literally, sin enters the world. And in that moment, darkness is entered into the whole scheme of things. And I don't know about you, but there are days when I'm overwhelmed with the testimony of darkness. That doesn't take much. You can watch CNN. You can watch the news and listen to all the reports. I mean, I used to count just the number of negative stories that would come off the newscast right at the beginning. You could go for 14 minutes about who's been raped and who's been robbed and who's been murdered and what wars are breaking out, even now, in Ethiopia and Somalia, not to mention the ones that we know so well in Af Afghanistan and Iraq. It seems like the darkness is constantly around us. Now, some of that is far away, but maybe in your world it's not so far away. So what is it that, that's in your world that feels like there is no light? I know that uh, many times that involves relationships with other people, or maybe the lack of a relationship. Maybe it's abusive. I know that some of you are sitting in this room, and some of the people closest to you have abused you. There's been some really harsh moments in your life. And for anyone to stand up and talk about the gospel seems rather nonsensical. When you live in a world that has pain and hurt, maybe your life isn't represented that way. But in your short time of life, have things gotten better or worse? You kind of just take that mental check. What is it that's occurred in my lifetime? Does the world feel like it's a better place or not? Sometimes it just seems suffocating. The darkness is all around us and there isn't any hope. I thought of a way to try and illustrate this to, for you uh, this afternoon and perhaps no better way than to maybe take a look at how somebody else illustrated uh, dark and light. I want to show you a clip from Lord of the Rings. I know it's heavily used. Lots of people look at it, but it, it, it's probably heavily used because it rings with so much truth. This comes from the second one, um, Two Towers. And the little band of uh, human beings have uh, kind of holed up in Helm's Deep, and all the orc army is coming and pretty much demolishing the castle, and it's a pretty difficult situation. In fact, the darkness is so deep and so prevalent that even the king uh, is pretty much willing to throw in the hat and say, we have no hope. Let's just watch this and see if, uh, see if it rings true for us. The fortress is taken. It is over. You said this fortress would never fall while your men defend it. They still defend it. They have died defending it. No other way for the women and children to get out of the caves. Is there no other way? There is one passage. It leads into the mountains. But they will not get far. The Urukai are too many. 
Send word for the women and children to make for the mountain pass and barricade the entrance. So much death. What can men do against such reckless hate? Right out. Ride out and meet them. For death and glory. For Rohan. For your people. The sun is rising. Look to my coming at first light on the fifth day. At dawn, look to the east. Hammerhand shall sound in the deep one last time. Yes! Let this be the hour when we draw swords together. Fell deeds awake. Now for wrath, now for ruin, and the red dawn. Stands alone. Not alone. Go hit up! And then an incredible, an incredible light. I read you the first part of this in John, that he created everything. There's nothing that exists that he didn't make. And the writer goes on to say that life itself was in him, and this life gives light to everyone. If you were to look at all of the Gospels, you would see nativity stories uh, very different. And from John, you get one verse. One verse that proclaims the nativity. Here's what he says. The light shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That's the nativity from John, and God's description of what light and dark are all about. These four days, you will have speakers that 
contrast light and dark. You will have uh, presenters that will try and speak to what the world is and how the gospel permeates everything. For some of us, the gospel has represented something that we prayed or said a short time or a long time ago that guarantees our entrance into heaven, certainly keeps us from going to hell. Sometimes the gospel gets confused or shortened just as eternal security, the plan of salvation. And yet the darkness rages around us. And for you as high school students, it's no different. Think about your own schools and your own circumstances. Is God proclaimed? Is light seen? Or does it often seem like it's beaten back? And are you discouraged? God says that the light will never be extinguished. And that Jesus Christ is the very light that inhabits our souls. This week, we want to contrast it. And so you'll hear from different speakers, speaking from different angles. But the whole time, hopefully, you will come to an understanding that the gospel is much bigger than just the plan of salvation and eternity. It is the very life that lives within us that causes us to have life. It causes us to have meaning. And so, knowing that we're human beings and there's a wholeness to us, it requires us to look at it from a bunch of different angles. I have a friend named Scott, Scott Erickson. And um, Scott is a unique individual. In fact, I'm going to have him come out if he's back there somewhere. Um, you'll remember Scott if you were here last year. He was the one who painted a big mural. Scott has actually agreed to come back and be with us for the whole four days. Isn't that really cool? And um, here's, here's what I can say about Scott. He paints what other people speak. And you know, for some of us, sometimes that's much louder than words. Scott loves God, and he follows Jesus Christ diligently. And he is going to try and paint for you pictures of what is spoken at each general session to try and capture. And for some of us, that will speak louder. I want you to be able to take a picture of the big themes that God is speaking into our lives this week. And hopefully, Scott will be able to give us some of that picture. Um, Scott's an approachable guy. You can talk to him. You can come up and talk to him, and he'd probably hang out with you a little bit and talk. Uh, in fact, everybody up here uh, is willing to do that. So if there's anything that you might ask or want to know, that'd, that'd be a pretty cool thing. But I'm going to ask you to kind of engage. Now, he's, he's up here. He's to my left. And, you know, uh, sometimes when somebody's speaking, you're thinking, I want to watch him. You know, I don't want to listen to the speaker. That's okay. We're giving you permission. We're going to have the cameraman kind of zeroed in so we can see what Scott's doing all week long. That's the purpose. Scott will paint the gospel for us. Isn't that cool? So we're looking forward to that. I have another friend who I, I want to bring out right now. He's small. He's a tiny little guy, really. He's, he's very small, at, but he packs a huge wallop. His name is Craig Gross. Does anybody remember Craig? Craig is one of our serious presenters this week. But, you know, i got to tell you something. Um, you never know what's going to happen when Craig comes up on stage. So i got to talk really fast because I don't want him to embarrass me. But here's the deal. Craig has been to some very dark places in the world. Some really dark places. In fact, he's gone some places that Christians don't normally go. People that follow Christ just kind of back away from it. And he's talked with people that have lived blinded in darkness for a long time. And the stories can be rather shocking. But I got to tell you, uh, Craig has brought light. And this week, we want to give him a chance to share some of those stories. But I, I just want to forewarn you. Um, the darkness is deep. And Craig doesn't speak to it as an outside observer. He speaks as one who's walked into the middle of it. So, without any further ado, would you uh, give Craig a warm welcome? 
I don't get the small comment, but hey, Ken, who you hired, is back there. He was looking at you on the video, going, hey, do they ever have you put makeup on during events? I said, no, because Luke really needs makeup on his face right now. So that was that's what the guy who uh, Luke hired said about uh, Luke. So Luke, I don't think you need makeup on your face. So I thought you looked just fine. But hey, I'm excited to be back here uh, five years now in a row. Uh, my friend Jake says hi. He was kind of mad, upset, uh, cried all Christmas that he wasn't coming to Oregon, but uh, he, he's hoping those people from Alaska were you. Yes, you got quieter now over the years. Maybe you brought a, an Alaskan treat for him for me to take home, but uh, the sad news is I don't even live in California anymore. I moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan, among all places, uh, since I saw you last, so I've been braving the uh, this cold like you guys have uh, here in the snow up here in the northwest, but uh, I'm excited to be back here. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then I'll, I'll get started. God, thanks just for this chance uh, to be back here at Winter Youth. I thank you for all these students that are here. I thank you just for this opportunity that we have uh, to come learn about the gospel, God, uh, to hear about what you're all about. Um, and so, God, I, I thank you for this opportunity. I pray that, God, uh, these students will just take to heart not only what's, uh, what's taught, but just the time here with friends and with people that care about them. Um, and just as we uh, figure out a little bit more uh, about what it is that, that you have for us. So, God, we pray this in your name. Amen. So if, if some of you haven't been here for the last few years, um, besides the, the Craig and Jake thing that I, I, I've done for years, I started this ministry called TripleXChurch.com. And with that, we've kind of tackled on this, uh, this issue of pornography. And just next week, uh, I'll be headed back to Las Vegas for a fifth year in a row as we go to a porn convention, one of the, the darkest places I think I've ever visited in my life. But as Luke was talking about where light goes, it says, you know, that you'll outshine and, and uh, there'll be no, no darkness. And so we've been able to, to take the message of the gospel. We're actually uh, just bought 5,000 Bibles to take with us to the porn show next week. Uh, we're excited uh, to, to give out Bibles at a porn show. No one's really ever done that. And so we're, we're trying to do things differently uh, that, that people maybe have thought, oh, well, you couldn't do that. But um, that's kind of my world uh, for the last five years, not only dealing with people caught up in pornography, but dealing with people that are caught up in sin, dealing with people that I believe want to understand the gospel, but just have gone so far from, uh, from, from what it is that God has for them. Ken asked me, uh, he called me a couple weeks ago and he said, hey, um, you know, one of the things that I want you to talk about being, you know, you're, you're going to be talking about dark and, and, and darkness. Um, you've hung out with a lot of people. You've seen a lot of things. And, and if you can kind of share some of those experiences. So in the next few days, I, I don't want to just bring with you the bad news. Uh, over the next few days, I'm going to talk about sin. I'm going to talk about uh, not only the people that I've met and, the, and people like you that are caught up in sin. Uh, tomorrow, I want to talk about some of the things that we actually are involved in. Um, and, and so I'll share with you three different times in the morning. And then Eric's going to be speaking with you at, at night about light. Um, one, one of the verses that I've memorized back from when I was your age was 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says this, it says, Stop loving this evil world and all it has to offer you. For when you love the world, you show you don't love the Father. For the world only offers the craze for sex, the ambition to buy everything you see, and pride that comes from being very wealthy or important. These things aren't from God, they're from this evil world. And the world's fading away quickly along with everything it craves, but if you do the will of God, you'll live forever. And so that verse there, stop loving this evil world and all it has to offer you. For God has so much more. It says, for if you do the will of God, you'll live forever. But yet so many of us kind of take the other path. We take the path where it says, obviously, in, in the Bible, narrow is, is the road that actually will, will find God, but wide is the road that, that many of us sometimes are on. And it looks more fun. It looks, you know, because sin, obviously, it says in the Bible, is fun. Um, and so today I want to share with you just five, five people that I met this past year, five different stories, along with uh, some Bible verses that kind of come to my mind uh, from these people's uh, uh, lives and, and, and just from the experiences that I've had with them. Um, over this past year since I saw you last, I've ha had the opportunity to debate the issue of pornography on college campuses, uh, not Christian campuses, but just secular universities all the way from California to Boston. And the guy that I debate is the, the biggest porn star in the world. Uh, he's actually uh, had sex with over 5,000 women. 
Uh, he's done over 1,800 porn films. It's amazing. When we are introduced at these debates, they, uh, they introduce me first, and they say, this guy's a pastor, and sometimes they'll boo me, and it's kind of fun. It's not like winter youth. You know, you just you stand up, and they just boo you, and sometimes they yell things that I can't repeat here. And, and the first kind of couple of them, I got real nervous, and then I, I just kind of got used to it. And then I just wait, and I watch as they introduce this guy whose name is Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy is 53 years old, and now he's this icon to college students. He's, hero. he's like a hero rock star status to some of these kids. Uh, they'll introduce him, and for about five minutes, the crowd goes crazy. They just start cheering like you've never heard before for this guy as soon as they read this little bio that says his accomplishments. And his accomplishments really aren't that much besides the work in the adult entertainment industry, besides the fact that this guy can have sex with whoever he wants. That, that's about it. But yet people have come, sometimes 3,000 of them, to see this debate. Each of us get a chance to kind of share our story about pornography. Obviously, I'm against it. He's for it. And then the kids get to ask us questions. And this is my best, my favorite part of, of why I like to do these uh, events, because you can ask us any question that you want. And so when you get to college, some people think, you know, you're smart because you're in college. Most of the time, it's not necessarily the case. Some of the smart kids sometimes ask the questions. A lot of times we get these just kind of stupid questions. But I'll never forget this girl in Boston. She stands up, and she's waited probably an hour to ask this question. And she says, Mr. Jeremy, and he says, you can call me Ron. And she says, Ron, um, what are your regrets? And here we've spent about an hour and a half listening to this guy, listening to, to myself, but this guy's story is just that of he's chosen his own path. He's chosen this way that the world has embraced, that the people around him say, okay, this is great. You've done these things. We've clapped and we've cheered for all your accomplishments. This one college student in Boston says, but well, what's your regret? And he kind of just doesn't know what to say because his whole experience and the reason why he wants you to, to come to this debate to hear him is because he's accomplished so many things and he's got to do things that many would dream of and he's had all these women and he's had all this money and all this fame and he's, what's your regret? And he kind of looks at her and he goes, well, you know, I mean, this lifestyle's been good to me. I'll be on The Surreal Life and next month on The Best of Surreal Life and my book's coming out. She says, well, what's your regret? And he says, probably, I mean, we're all chasing something. We're all kind of going through something in life. And, and many, many of us never reached like what we really want. And, and for me, I wanted to be this big actor and I wanted this other stuff. But mainly, I just wanted a family. You see, the life of a, a porn star at 53 years old and having sex with girls that he just meets any time he wants and, and filming all these X-rated films, it doesn't really have that lifestyle where he can meet a, a wife and have a family. And then they, I have a chance to rebut any kind of comment that he makes. And I just kind of looked at him as he said, you know what, I, I wish I just had a family. But, you know, I mean, this life's been good to me, but yeah, that would be my one regret. And then they said, you know, Mr. Gross, would you like to comment on that? And I said, you know what, I mean, my Bible and my God that I serve says that God's come to give you a life more abundantly a better life, and I, I'm doing what I love to do. I never had, I thought I'd have these opportunities that I have. I have a wonderful life with, with two kids and a, and a wife that loves me, and you can have that too. You can have this better life. You don't have to settle. And it was interesting, afterwards we went to dinner. My wife was there with me that night, and my, my daughter, uh, Elise, who was 11 months at the time, was there. And it was this awkward kind of dinner because we're, we're obviously friends with Ron now and he knows my family. But it's, it's the first time he'd ever seen my daughter. And here's a guy that just shared with 3,000 kids that his one regret is he wanted just a family. And now he sees my daughter across the, the, the dinner table. And I know my wife is a little nervous, like, you're not going to let that guy hold our child. She's 11 months and he's kind of creepy because... Uh, and I go, I know why, if he wants to. And he just looked at my daughter almost like the whole dinner time. And it was just the saddest thing. Me and my wife, we, we talked about it until late that evening, going, man. And yet all these kids, 3,000 of them, showed up to hear what this guy had to say. And it really had nothing to say. And he's full of regrets. And yet our God says, you know what? When, when you follow the light, uh, it'll be better. It'll be more abundant. The, the second person I want to tell you about, there are actually two girls. That night, after we debate each other, 
uh, we get a chance to uh, to meet the audience. It's not kind of like winter youth where we can just go walk out and it's, it's, it's you know, I can go hang out and watch magic tricks with the rest of you with Kevin. But uh, this is like security and police and all this. And not for me, but for this guy. And so we have a meet and greet time afterwards. And so I'm not quite popular on these campuses. And so I kind of just hang out. And, you know, if someone wants to meet me, I just kind of wave and sometimes sign an autograph. But the line to meet this guy is like two hours long. So I'm always intrigued. Like, I, I want to talk to people. And so I, I watch as this line kind of forms to, to get your photo taken with this guy and, and get a get a camera photo, or Ron even brings a Polaroid camera. Like, those are still cool. At 53 years old, he's still not really clued in that these people have uh, phones on their, uh, their, their cameras have, you know, um, the phones have cameras on them. But anyways, uh, I see these girls, and they're standing in line, and, and this was a pornography debate. This was a debate where people came to hear about pornography. So this is kind of a rowdy crowd. And these girls, they, they, they kind of stood out to me because they had made these hats at the mall. And I hadn't seen, they're not kind of like just a beanie or a hat. This is Alaska or Seattle Seahawks. These said, I love sex on them, like you see on the wall there. Interesting, not just your probably first choice to bring to winter youth, hopefully. Um, not probably anyone's first choice to bring or, or to wear to a, a college debate on the issue of pornography. So I'm kind of fascinated with this. I'd never seen hats like that before. So I walked up to them and I just said, hey, uh, where did you get those hats? And they kind of laughed like, oh, well, uh, what do you mean? The hat on your head that says, I love sex. I've never seen that before. Where, where did you get that? And she, they, they looked at me like, well, we got these made, specially made at the mall. And so I call these girls now the I Love Sex Girls because that's kind of what I, I don't remember their names. I just remember their hats. And these girls are telling me that they went to the mall earlier in the week and they got these hats made. What goes through your mind to go get these hats made? I, I don't know. So I was intrigued. So you love sex, right? I mean, you put it on a hat. I mean, I've worn like logos of, of bands and, and clothings that I like on my hats. But if you put I Love Sex on a hat, you must really love sex, huh? And they looked at me like, well, no. We've never had sex. Oh, so that you you just bought these hats, you got them made, and you don't even have, know what sex is like. No, we've never. We're virgins, <laughs> and we're gonna wait till we're married. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a good answer. I mean, that's what what, what I I did. That's what I know. A lot of people have tried to do, but hey, what, where do you think they're putting that on a hat? Like, oh, everyone just knows it's a joke. Everyone knows it's just not for real. I go, well, no, I'm watching people walk you by and, and kind of look at that and go, no, I don't really know if that's, that's people don't know it's a joke. Well, what are you thinking? And they, they kind of just thought like I was the crazy one. And I remember I said, hey, I want to take a picture of you. So I remember you're the I love sex girls with that with the hat. And they, they posed for this picture. They never took the hats off. And then I watched them go get a picture with Ron and they were all happy. And they walked away and I thought, wow. The, the scriptures say, run away from sexual sin. No other sin clearly affects the body as this one. For God bought you with a price, a high price, so we must honor God with our body. And I'm reminded when I met these girls of just this very dark world. These girls don't even know uh, about sex, about how great of a gift that this is from God, and yet they've just distorted this into some joke, into some well, I want to fit in, and I want to kind of look cool, and I want to say these things. I'm sure if I scroll down many of your MySpace accounts, I'd see things on there that probably don't make up who you are. As I read old MySpace profiles of, of kids that are in my youth group, I scroll down that category that says sex, and sometimes the word bi is written on that, and I go, no, that person doesn't, that's not the case. But yet so many people like the I Love Sex Girls will just say things, maybe to get a reaction, Maybe we'll say things out of that need of, okay, that will bring attention to us. Maybe we'll say things because, hey, that, that just, I mean, that's not really me, but yeah, I'll, I'll go along with that. And, and our world is obviously, like Luke said, a very dark place. And I'm reminded of that by just seeing these girls who say, yeah, I love it. And, and, and put it on a hat. I'm reminded of that by probably many of you that say one thing, but it's really not who you're all about. It's really not what, what, what you're really trying to do, but yet we've maybe said those things to fit in. It's interesting, after um, that night, 
And it was just this weird kind of journey for me. I, I spent a, a week kind of doing these debates, and then I ran into those girls. And then when those were all said and done, later in March, I actually spent my first day in jail. I'd never been to jail before. I, I never wished that on, on anybody. And I, I actually didn't get booked or, you know, handcuffed. I don't think I'd be allowed to speak. If I, yeah, I guess you can go to a porn show, but you can't go to jail. So I, I, I didn't actually, you know, get booked and go to jail. But I actually took a guy there. And if I back up a little bit, I met this guy in Cleveland. I, I was speaking in a church one day, and I talked about sin. And I talked about how sin will get you to do things that you never thought you would do. And, and sin will basically then take you to this dead end. And the Bible's clear on this. The Bible says that sin is fun, but it also says that sin is fun for a season, and that season will come to an end. And many of you today here, if you're listening, maybe the story of Bill will resonate with you because you're having fun doing what you're doing right now, enjoying the sin, enjoying the lifestyle. But let me tell you, the Bible is clear that it will end. And maybe through some sort of a tragedy, maybe some sort of a consequence of your sin, or maybe just... God's speaking to you to go, you know what? Yeah, this isn't what I have for you. Remember, I have something better for you than this. Bill's story was obviously a a life of a a secret addiction. Uh, Most of these stories and most of the people that I deal with obviously are caught up in some sort of sexual sin. And and that might not be the case for all of you. But I think a lot of similarities we can be uh, found out of stories like Bill, a guy who went to church, a guy who was in the process of adoption, a guy who had a wife at home, but yet for 16 years had this hidden problem that he never told anybody about. And Bill told me at church one day, he says, Craig, I'm really in trouble. And I said, why, Bill? He says, because my sin is, is, my season has ended. And I said, well, what's going on? He goes, well, next month I'm actually being sentenced and, and I'm looking at jail time. And I go, well, what did you do? And to me, it's not about what, what you did or didn't do, but I mean, We all mess up. We all fall short. But some of us obviously are going to have larger consequences. And Bill says, Craig, I I was in a a Yahoo chat room. I was posing as a 12-year-old boy. He's 34 years old. He's not a 12-year-old boy. And he says, I never thought I would be doing this. When I first started into pornography, I didn't think I'd end up here. But now, 16 years later, no one knew. This is what, and, and, And they got me. They got me for distributing some child pornography and receiving it. And I said, so what are you looking at? And he goes, what do you mean? What? I go, what kind of time are you looking at? He goes, well, let me just tell you what I'm not looking at. I'm not looking at my wife anymore because she's filed for a divorce. I'm not looking at the house that we had together because they've taken that from me because I've had to declare bankruptcy. I had a great job uh, making six-figure salary. Now I'm working at Lowe's in the the checkout line, making $8 an hour before I end up in jail for the next five and a half years of my life. I mean, what do you say to a guy after church that, that throws this on you? And the next kind of couple months, we spent some time with Bill. I want to show you a video real quick of, of just the, the day leading up to um, taking Bill to jail. Uh, we'll go ahead and watch this real quick. Pornography has ruined my life. On uh, Friday, I get sentenced for uh, in U.S. federal court for my possession and distribution of uh, child pornography. June 15th of 2004, I was at work. I worked for a local police department. Uh, the FBI called me at work, told me that uh, they were outside my house, going to bust my door down if I didn't come home. Yeah, well, they, they seized my computer, and then uh, nine months later, I was indicted. My wife is, is devastated. You know, she thought she married somebody else. Um, we're standing outside of the uh, federal courthouse here in Cleveland, Ohio, where Bill um, just went in for sentencing. Bottom line is Bill got um, 63 months. Pornography is, uh, is, uh, is absolutely a destructive force. And uh, this family will uh, be living with it um, probably for the rest, of, the rest of their lives. 2006, and I'm uh, here with Bill outside of uh, Devon's federal uh, penitentiary. You never thought porn would take you here. Um, I mean, looking back, what, what would you... What would, if someone's in your shoes, what would you what would you challenge them with? I would say, you know, the end of Porn Boulevard. I never thought that I would ever ever get there. And if you think that you have a problem, talk to somebody. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your friend. Talk to talk to somebody. Get 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 help for you because I'm losing losing 63 months of my life. Unfortunately, I didn't know I had a problem until it was too late.
So we're here at the end of Porn Boulevard for Bill, and uh, it doesn't have to be where you end up. And if you're struggling, if you're going through something that nobody else knows, uh, get help, change your ways, uh, get off that road and head the other way as quick as you can. After we uh, shot that video, it was outside of Boston, at Boston's Devons Federal Penitentiary. I remember walking in to, to drop Bill off, and we gave him a Bible. It was a cool Bible. It had leather on it and tabs. I don't know if any of you are still rocking the Bible with tabs, but those come in handy when you don't know where the, the passages are, and I don't, I don't know why they're not cool anymore, but I, we bought him a Bible with tabs, and we are all excited about it. Like, Bill, I was showing him, hey, you know, so in case you're in jail and they're not, you don't know where these passages are, your Genesis, you know, it's, I guess you're not feeling the whole love for the tabs either, but... Uh, Neither was the security guard. He says, what's this? I go, it's a Bible with tabs, and it's got his name engraved on it. Oh, we've got plenty of those in the library. I go, well, not this one, not the one with his name and the tabs. And the guy just said, hey, take it. So now I have Bill's Bible because um, he can't have it. Five and a half years, I got a letter from Bill right before Christmas. said he's you know, doing as well as he, he possibly can, but sin has taken something from him. Sin has taken Bill to a dead end. Sin has promised all these things, and obviously it was fun for a while, but it came to an end. And whether it's, you know, oh, whether you're like Bill, where there's going to be some serious consequences to your actions, or, or you're like Bill, where no one knows maybe the stuff that you're wrestling with, or, or maybe where you're like the, the girls that, with the hats, that you're just doing things that, you know, really aren't who you are. Or whether you're like Ron, where you're going, you know what, I've settled. Like this uh, sin's taken me here, but I'd rather be here. But sin has taken all those things from you. There's a passage in the Bible, too, that says, hey, well, uh, you're either hot or cold, but if you're right in that middle, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And that passage comes to mind when I think of this next guy. His name is Donnie. Donnie's this odd guy that I'll never forget meeting. I met him back in Las Vegas a couple years ago, and he came by our booth. We were having this booth at this um, 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 at the porn convention, and he walks by me, and he, and he says, hey, aren't you those, those pastor guys? And he shares with me, um, actually hit the next slide, um, he, he shares with me uh, that his dad was a pastor. And I, I said, okay, well, what are you doing here? And he says, well, now I'm, uh, I'm a producer of this stuff. I'm in the adult industry. And, and here's the guy that's the son of a pastor, and yet now he's chosen to go as far from that world as possible. Donnie frequents the Playboy Mansion. Donnie, you know, works for Playboy is, uh, is who his employer is. Donnie's been in this world now for eight years. And here's the interesting thing. We go away from Vegas, and he emails me. Hey, it was great meeting you at the show. We have this kind of weird relationship for the next couple of years where every so often Donnie would send an email. Donnie would call. We actually had him on a radio show, and we said, hey, what's going on? And he would kind of give us insight into his world. And so there was this thought of like, okay, here's this guy that doesn't want to be doing what he's doing, but you know, really wants to be doing what uh, over here, but he's just kind of going back and forth. He's kind of lukewarm. And the Bible says that you're either hot or cold, but if you're right in that middle, if you're lukewarm, I'll, I'll spit you out of my mouth. It's interesting that Donnie started um, posting on our website. We had to actually kick him off our website because he'd, he'd make these comments about us that were really hurtful and that he'd say all these mean things and he, he'd send all, put all these photos of, of naked women on our... And we're like, Donnie, you can't do that on our site. Like, we love the fact that you're here, but why are you doing this? I'll never forget October of this year. I'm in Texas and I get this call on my cell phone and it's Donnie. He says, Craig, I gave up. I go, what do you mean you gave up? He says, I, 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 I'm done. I'm done over there. I'm coming over back to this side. And I go, are you for real? He says, yeah, I pulled over my car a couple minutes ago, and I invited Christ in my life. And, and this guy's changed his life. This guy's now decided that his whole world of sin, the Bible says in Romans, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? It says, thank God the answer is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I want to do what is right, but I keep doing what is wrong. Who will free me from that constant struggle? It says the answer and the hope is found in Christ. You'll hear more and more about that this weekend, that only Christ can save you. And tomorrow I'll talk more about these, these things that, that Christ has given all of us. 
in dealing with sin and, and how to overcome some of these things. But I'll never forget, uh, two weeks ago, Donnie came to my house in Grand Rapids. We, he spent the weekend with us. I actually had him up on stage at a church, and he shared his testimony. He talked about the old life that he had, but he talked about this new life that he now has in Christ. And as soon as he was done speaking, the pastor got up there and just said, hey, if God can save a guy like Donnie, I mean, look what he can do in your life. And all these people started coming forward and, and gave their lives to Christ. And Donnie just kind of wept because he, he, he was just there. He was over on that side just a few months ago, and he decided, you know what, that, that's empty. That's a dead end. There's consequences now to, to, to those actions. I'd rather be hot. I'd rather be over on this side. So I don't know where you're at today. I mean, my, my people that I've run across with, they, they've all been kind of lived these crazy lives. Whether they've achieved status or popularity or money, I, I, people ask me all the time, how do you do what you do, Craig? I don't, they, don't, they don't have what I want. They, they, all these people I shared with you about, they're, they're all miserable. They're all empty. They're all... They, they don't get what God can do. The last girl I want to share with you her story. Jake and I, you know, have spoken for years. We were at a conference one year, and we, we met this girl. Her name is Michelle. Never did I think the work that I do here at youth conferences would, tran you know, would cross over to some of the work that we do at porn conventions. So this girl comes and finds me at a porn convention. She says, You're, where's Jake? I'm like, well, we're not doing Craig and Jake at a porn show. We're, we're, we're just uh, talking to people about pornography. Oh, well, what do you mean, where's Jake? How, how do you, I was at that conference. I heard you guys speak like five, six times. And, oh, it was great. And you guys did this and that. And we're having this conversation. I'm like, well, what, what, what's your name again? Michelle. And she hands me her business card. Now, I, I hope I never meet any of you at a porn show. And, and none of you would give me a business card. Then when we see you at, at one of these, and she gives me this business card. And she says, I'm a porn star now. She's 19, just out of high school. And I said, what? Uh, how do you go from, and she went to Christian school. We actually spoke at a conference she was at, and we spoke at her Christian high school for like two years in a row. So this girl's familiar with the truth. She's familiar with, with things like many of you are. She's been to stuff like Winter Youth. She's heard about this God, but yet she's pulled over to this side to go, no, this looks better. So I asked her, I said, Michelle, how do you make that transition? Is it a slow transition? Like you just kind of start doing these things and then kind of pull further and further from God? Or do you just say, forget it, God? How do you go from Christian school to, to a porn star? And she says this, go ahead and watch it. Alright, so uh, so how did you get from Christian school, did you go from Christian high school right into this? Or were you doing it while you were in school? Um, well, I was a stripper while I was in school. High school? Then, yes. I've been stripping since I was 16, while I was going to Christian school. Then I graduated, I was a stripper, and then two months after I was stripping after I turned 18, I got into the porn industry. What do your parents think? They don't like it. They're very, very upset. They're Christians? Yes, they are. The best they just, they, they, my mom started crying, and of course, yeah. my dad doesn't know yet. I don't lie about what I do. Yeah. I'm very honest. I know it's wrong, but I still do it. Yeah. So money, money says a lot. So you do it for the money? Yeah. yeah. But and you know when you say you know it's wrong, do you still how's your how's your belief in God? I mean you still I still believe in God and he's really pissed off at me right now. But he's still there and he's still watching over me. And you're just kinda of doing your own thing and you think eventually you'll get out of this and kinda of go back to him? One day, one day. Yeah. Do I have a lot of money? Deals with God. And many of you maybe make those same deals with God. Well, God, when I graduate high school, I'm done. I'm done with that stuff. I'll, I'll get my act together. God, when I get married someday, I'll, I'll really kind of clean up my life. God, when, when I graduate college, when I get that job that you've promised me, God, then I'll give my life to you. God, I'll stop kind of overhear what I'm doing. And let, let me tell you, the, those deals aren't really what God wants to hear. You're, you're going to fall further and further away. You're going to fall further and further into those things. I watched Michelle's career 
kind of explode in the porn industry. She, she did something like 30-something films that next year. I saw her in Las Vegas about a year after that video, and she said to me, uh, yeah, things were good, but things aren't good. She knows this isn't the life. I mean, she can't even tell her dad what she does. How, how great of a life is that? Sure, she uh, has money. She says money says a lot. But God, yeah, I'll get back to him later. And today, as we kind of kick this thing off, my challenge and encouragement to you is to not wait till later. To, to stop kind of making the deals. God, yeah, when you do this, I'll do... No, no, he, God, God's done his, his part. And now it's up to us to go, all right, God, well, your, your word says that you have something better for me, not, not what I have, that, that you know the plans, that, that your plans are actually better. And it's time that we start believing that and then letting God be God and watching what he'll do. Go ahead and bow your heads with me. The band's going to come back and lead us into some worship. And tonight, as, as Eric talks about light, talks more about Jesus and what he's all about. And as we go these next couple of sessions and these next couple of days, and as we explore more about dark and light, this constant struggle, Romans talks about, well, I want to do what is right, but I, I'm always doing what is wrong. Well, who, who's going to free me? That No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, how bad you've messed up, I mean, it, it's not going to shock God. I, I get emails and phone calls daily that they don't shock me anymore of, of, of the mess that a lot of us have gotten ourselves into. And the good news is that there's nothing that you could do that would make God love you any less. No matter how far we've gone, no matter how many deals that you've made with God, no matter what it is that you've done, God loves you despite of all that. And he says, you know what, I have something better. It's time that we trust him. So God, we love you. I thank you just for bringing everybody here this week. God, for the things that you're going to show us, for the things that you're going to teach us. And God, as, as, we, as we just started this conference, God, I, I pray for these students that are here. I pray for some of them that, that feel like, God, maybe they, they've not only let you down, but they've let everybody else in their life down. They've wandered so far away. They've done too many wrongs. They've done too many things that, that, God, you surely can't forgive them. God, I pray that you tell them that those things aren't true. God, that you know the number of hairs that are on their head, that you know their thoughts before they think them, that, God, you know who they are, and, God, you love them so much. So, God, as we... God, it's our desire to just find out more about you and find out ways that God, we can love you more and, and stop loving this world, stop loving sin. Even though it looks like it's fun, God, it says that it will come to an end. But God, if we do the will of God, we'll live forever. <laughs>